This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Brian Geisinger, League Pass Lair, Pack Pride, Devil's Den, this thousand other thing, uh, I don't know, credits on his resume. I need you to send me a full way of introducing you uh, as often as we talk. So I don't sound like a fool. Uh, other than that, I could just say my friend Brian Geisinger knows more about basketball than anybody I know. Um, why are the Wolfpack good? Should they be ranked? Yeah, I mean, they should be ranked, I think, at this point. They've had enough uh, big wins, I would say, recently. Um, I think they've done enough to put the, together a resume of a top 25 team. I mean, you basically said it. Like, they're right there. These rankings are, you know, it's arbitrary that it's top 25. If it was the... AP top 30, they'd be in there or right. whatever. And, and going off some of these other ranking models, if you're looking at net or you're looking at Ken Palm, uh, if you're looking at Bartorvik, like they're in the, you know, 20 to 35 range. Right. So that, that seems about right. Um, what matters most really though, beyond, well beyond the AP ranking, which doesn't really matter all that much um, is that this team is pretty good. And they're pretty good on both sides of the basketball. Right. I think we had we had a vision of this team being good offensively, and we were uncertain of where the defense would land. And the defense has ended up being basically a top forty-five, top fifty defense this season, which is huge. That's a big credit to uh, the staff, and that's a big credit to a lot of guys stepping up. And I think playing. Uh, defense at a level above where they were projected individually and collectively heading into the season. And a huge part of that has been this team's ability to defensive rebound. Miami's a great defensive re- or Miami is a very good offensive rebounding team and state held them to what four offensive rebounds. Yes. Uh, a 16% offensive rebound rate. NC state's one of the better defensive rebounding teams in the ACC, which is a huge surprise. And <laughs> the fact that they've been able to do that with Jack Clark and Dusan Morchik out, like they had two big games uh, pr- uh, protecting the glass against Virginia Tech, who's not a great offensive rebounding team, but Miami, who is. And I think those things helped swing the balance. Like Miami shot the ball better than them this weekend, uh-huh. but State didn't turn it over, and they took care of the defensive glass, and that's been huge for them on that side. So beyond who like, – AP top 29, top <laughs> 62, like who cares? Most of these voters – really aren't watching enough games right. to even give a like a, a knowledgeable vote. Um, and I, I mean that with all the shade intended possible. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, but uh, State is a good team. And, um, you know, we'll just see if they can get some of these injured guys back and really sort of like round out the, the rotation a little bit. See, here's my – this is what impressed me about the win. One, I have great respect for Miami. I, I've said this for weeks now. I think Miami is the best team in the league. And not even though I know Virginia's higher in all mm-hmm. the power rankings, I think Miami ultimately is the best team in the league. Uh but I also don't think anybody in the league is that good that the team that's 5th or 6th or even 7th could el- end up going to Greensboro and winning the ACC tournament. Uh I I believe that with all of my heart, but I think the the fact that State won that game they didn't get efficient scoring performances out of Jarkel Joyner and Terquavian Smith, who I believe is the best backcourt in the league. The fact that they didn't get that, but 
got contributions from Ernest Ross, which I'm my head's still spinning from that. Hmm. And DJ Burns continues to be good. And they're running their offense, or they run at high, uh, like a high post offense through DJ Burns. Now, what's going on? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is important to remember. You mentioned Jarkel and Traquavion. Like those two guys, though they did not have you know the super super efficient, explosive scoring performances. Their ability to draw two to the ball and pick and roll. Yeah. Like we've talked about this a lot this season. They they are creating in Miami, they went out, they they loaded up on Tequavion um in the pick and roll. They put they either, you know, hard doubled or they they showed and showed high and uh, showed hard. And his ability to throw it to just get the ball out of his hands, or Jarkel to get the ball out of his hands, get it to DJ Burns on the short roll, right? So DJ Burns sets the screen. And instead of diving all the way to the rim, he sort of like slow rolls to the free throw line to like the nail area. Then he catches, catches the ball in space there, faces up. And if he's single covered, he can go score. Or he can kick out for a three, which he did to LJ Thomas. Or he can look to Ernest Ross or Greg Gant, who are cutting around on the baseline. And it is a really effective way for State to manufacture offense right now, even though they're playing these lineups that have two non-shooters on the court at all times. Like, you theoretically should be able to trap them, but if Burns is going to continue to make good decisions like that right. with basketball in pockets of space, then it's really, really tough. And for guys like Gant and Ross, like, you know, I'm not sure who on the staff has, has sort of, like, pitched them this role and, and got them to buy in. But whoever they did, or, you know, the collective effort of, of it has been fantastic because those guys are emptying the bucket for State into, on defense. They're setting flare screens offensively. They're cutting. If you don't want to guard those guys, they're going to keep, they're going to punish you because they're going to keep moving. And I do think in some matchups, it's, it's going to be tough for them to overcome that. I kind of thought that might happen against Miami, actually. But Ross made so many plays. He had what? Eight field goals in this, yeah, eight field goals in this game. I looked this up afterwards. Three of those were assisted by DJ Burns. Four of those were off offensive rebounds, and one of them was assisted by Casey Morcel. And that is just him crashing the glass, being around the rim, and he actually kind of gives State a different dimension with his length and athleticism. Like that's something they don't have right um, anywhere else on the roster. And then yes, they can basically do the same thing. Um, with Burns when they throw it to him in the post. And if it's single coverage, he's going to go score. If a double comes, he's going to hit the cutter. If you load up on him, Gant or Ross are going to set a flare screen, and he's going to look skip it to Marcel or LJ Thomas or Traquavion Smith in the weak side wing or weak side corner. Like, it's really – basketball can be kind of simple sometimes. And I just think Burns, his ability to command extra attention um, and make good decisions with the basketball – it's huge for them. And it's essentially the same thing as like, you know, Jarkel and Traquavion uh-huh. getting two on the ball and pick and roll. Like that's the advantage you're creating. Now what can you do to play out of it? Look, I think State's good. They played a difficult schedule too. Their three losses uh, in the league are Pitt, Clemson, and Miami. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at the – that's the top of the league in the yeah. uh, in the standings. All right, let me get yep. to uh, – let me get to Duke. They l- went to Clemson and lost. Frankly, I'm not surprised at the loss. I thought Clemson would win. I thought Clemson, I thought best case scenario for Duke, honestly, was to go there, compete like hell, uh, and ultimately your flaws are your flaws. You can't score. You can't play offense. They have no half-court offense because they have nobody other than Derek Whitehead who hasn't played well the last couple of games that can get their own shot. Everything else has to come off of uh, maybe set plays, and I don't know that they're really doing a lot of that at this point, but I thought they competed, and that to me was enough out of that game. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I mean, Clemson was favored, right? You know, heading into yeah. that game, so I don't think it's like a. In Clemson's good, um, and you know, Clemson has a good system, and a, and a guy like PJ Hall, that is like he actually is one of the better offensive players, yes. like regardless of system that he has been for two years now in the ACC. Like yep. he's he's a tough guy to match up with, and he's shooting threes better than he has in years past, so it gives him another added dimension. I mean, I think. You know, I think the the Tyrese Proctor, I think Proctor played wet, very well in the, in the pit game, especially in the second half. And there were some flashes yeah. for him at Clemson. Like, that's a big deal. But it is tough for them to sustain. Uh, you know, look, when, when Dariq Whitehead, he was, what, one of six, I think, at Clemson in that game. A uh-huh. couple of turnovers. Um, and Or I don't think he had any turnovers in that game. But Proctor had a few turnovers. And after a nice start in that game, I thought Proctor sort of like had some of his some of those finishing issues sort of flared up for him in the second half. And yeah, when when that happens, like when those guys are unable to create shots for themselves, create for others, then they're so dependent on playing through the post, right? With um with Filipowski and with Ryan Young. Yeah. I think when when Duke fans are frustrated and they're wondering why is Duke playing Ryan Young so much? Why are they playing the two big guys so much? Why do they do so much high low? Why do they play through the post so much? It's because like it is tough for them to create advantage and and put two on the basketball by just running pick and roll. So the way they're trying to create an advantage and create movement is to is to play through the post and to play through Filipowski. It's just tough when you have a team like Clemson that's gonna like like they did against nc state a few weeks prior like they're they're conservative they're gonna gap up yeah. and and they're gonna make it tough for you to just go like one-on-one right at them and i think we saw that um you know with Filipowski. i mean he was trying his best to just mash them inside right and um you know clemson's got uh you know they're disciplined and they got a lot of you know big bodies to throw at you in terms of the front court so they're not going to make it uh make it easy and they probably got a couple of you know favorable whistles in terms of block charge calls oh, or well. whatever in that game. But Wait yeah, a second. Home game in you the ACC, think, you know? are, you, are you suggesting that referees called charges where a block would have been the better call? Are you <laughs> yeah. suggesting that, Brian? See, people yeah. think I'm crazy. People think yeah. I'm over I'm exaggerating. I'm not. I believe that ninety percent of the time that when referees call charge, ninety percent of the time it's a wrong call. I think most of those are probably blocks, but the others should just be left alone. No call. 10% of the time they get the charge right, I think. It is, yeah. it, it's a gross part of college basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I feel like I've said this for a few, few years now, too. I mean, I think we, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I do think we agree on this. Like, I think, I really wish we would see more no calls on this because one way or the, well, like, they're, they're just blowing the whistle far too often on these calls. So they've incentivized it, right? That they're they're going to blow a whistle somehow. And if that is slanted in the advantage of the defense to get a charge, well then it then it you are you are, you know, uh you know, conditioning defenders, yeah. you know, incentivizing defenders to do this as much as possible. And so yeah, I really wish that the refs would eat uh, you know eat the whistle a little bit on this. But um, it's one of many things that college officials don't do great. I know the job is tough, but yeah. that, this is one thing where it's like it does feel like a little bit of reform could go could go could go a long long way. Um, as far as Duke goes going forward, like I, I mean, I'd like to see them f- turn Derek Lively into more of a pressure point on the rim. I do like the fact that Tyrese Proctor has shown some stuff the last few games. Getting Hopefully, the, the, the three point shot goes in a little bit more. I think. 
I mean, given how well he shot free throws this year in his stroke, like what it looks like, I don't think he's a 25% three-point shooter. So it would be nice to see him shoot a little bit better out of that. Um, And I will say this just very, very, very quickly. Like, I do think Duke, like, I chart this stuff. Duke's running a lot of sets. Yeah. But they're, they're running sets almost every time down the court, to be clear. It's just like they get to the second or third progression on that. <laughs> And no advantage has been created. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, we'll just throw it yeah. to Filipowski at the elbow or throw it to okay. Young at the post and play out of it. All right, real real quick. Uh, they came out of a timeout or a, a side baseline out of bounds play Duke did against Pitt. And Proctor got a corner three and knocked it down. And I thought that was – I thought that showed some maturity because it was clear that they ran a play to get him the three and he made it. Uh, so it would be really helpful if Duke could find a couple of shooters, uh, yeah, that, maybe maybe four of them, uh, because I think the only way their offense is going to be proficient at all this year is to find four guys who can knock down 35% of their threes. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Taruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know? Yeah, Adam, it's not just if you gave the money to a planning team and they did good the first year. I mean, anyone can do good for one year, but it's a track record and it's a long-term accounts that are very important. We call that a financial fill-up strategy, Adam, and that gives you lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll put together for you, the listener, your very own total retirement plan if you call right now. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Yeah, I mean, like the it, like first off, that play that's that's one that John Shire kept in the playbook from Mike Shashevsky's era. That's where they the the inbounder throws it to the the four or the five and immediately runs to the corner, comes right. off a handoff or catch and shoot three. Like Trey Jones used to do that a couple of years ago uh, in Durham. Uh, Curry, probably John Shire when he played there. Those yeah. guys used to do that as well too. But I mean, I you know I, I don't think we're going to see it. But like they with a guy like Jaden shoot, they do have a shooter on the bench. Um, I know he wouldn't solve much of their sort of like dribble drive concerns, but um, and it, it doesn't seem like they they feel a whole lot of you know confidence or need to go to him in what is a pretty cr- crowded uh, you know wing rotation right. already. But they do have a guy that is graded out in terms of his like pre Duke uh, career as like a, a plus plus shooter. So maybe maybe he's like a break glass in case of emergency thing here. But it doesn't it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. All right, let me uh, let me get. One. Two minutes here on the Tar Heels. They did what they had to do against Louisville. Uh, I'm a little surprised that Armando Baycott played because his ankle is, I mean, I mean he left the game in, what, on crutches in the uh, uh, middle of the week. So, uh, But good for him. He had a double-double. Um, what kind of growth do you see from the Tar Heels? Well, yeah, he must have just seen Luke Combs in the crowd and was like, <laughs> all right, I got I to gotta, I gotta bite down and play through it. Also, Stop me if I'm wrong. Is this not the second year in a row that Armando Baycott has had some like miraculous recovery from an ankle injury? Yes. Didn't this happen during the like I saw a Hubert Davis quote after the game this weekend that I was like, I, I this could have been time stamped March 2022. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, or it April. Is it, is. it was in the yeah. final four. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, look, when they're, I mean, they're not at full strength right now. Um, and and maybe they won't be for the rest of the season, but for them to get, to play through another sort of like bad Caleb Love shooting game, I think he had a goose egg from deep 
Um, but RJ Davis was great. I think you saw them get contributions from Puff Johnson scoring wise for maybe the first or second time this season. DeMarco Dunn had a nice game and it is nice that like this, I mean, obviously you would rather have Baycott and Nance fully healthy, Mm. but the fact that those guys missing some time recently seems to have opened the door for Jalen Washington. Yeah. Now all of a sudden UNC has got another guy, you know, like a, they've got another four or five that can step away and shoot jumpers and can, can screen and dive and finish around the paint. Um, ultimately, I just think Hubert Davis is a really good offensive coach. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I think he's a good coach in general, but I think he is a creative and crafty organizer of offense. Um, but also gold, I think you, me, Victoria, two of the salespeople there. I think we might be able to put up a good number I on know. Louisville, too. So That's why I said I'm not sure it yeah. means anything, but yeah. just don't lose. <laughs> yeah. Don't lose. I don't think Carolina played particularly well, but they won by 21. Yeah. Uh, that's where Louisville is at this point. At guys hey, underscore bird. You have one other thing go, you want to? Yeah, one more thing. Louisville not in the AP Top 25. Too, no. Just in case you were wondering. Are they in the top 325. Uh, man, barely, if so. <laughs> also receiving votes, the Louisville Cardinal and the AP Top 325. At Geist underscore Bird on Twitter, Brian Geisinger. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, you guys be good. You got it. Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc.